Uh, today is no teaching. We'll just uh, do a Q&A session. So let's first start off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your word. Uh, we pray that we will gain understanding. Let the spirit of the instructor be in the house. Let the Holy Spirit, who is the perfect teacher, teach us, lead us, and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, this year, I think we've tackled a lot. Uh, even just looking at Holy Midweek Bible study, we've done how to read and study the Bible. I think that was our first session or our first series of Midweek Bible study. Uh, we went on to do my responsibility. Uh, we have done dealing with hindrances to acquire time, biblical meditation, part one and part two. Then we did the book of Romans. The book of Romans took us through some time. Uh, I think we did, how many? Is it 20? 20 installments or 23 installments of the book of Romans. Um, we did stewardship. I really enjoyed this year. If I look at the teachings, one of the series I enjoyed was stewardship. It, I think was a very, very good one. Amen. Um, then we've done what is Jesus doing right now? I think that was our last series. That's five installments. So through it all, we've, we've, we've tackled a myriad of topics. Amen. So, not also including Sundays, special events like conventions and stuff like that. So, a, a lot has been poured out from this prophet by pastors who are here and guest speakers and yours truly. So, if you have any question, it would be very good for us to go through it now as we, we wrap up the year. This is our last uh, midweek Bible study for the year. And I look forward to what God has in store for 2022. Amen. So the floor is open. But before that, let's refresh ourselves. What did we learn last week? Who can give us an idea of what we learned last week? That would be good. As we refresh ourselves with that, then we can kick start the ball rolling. So last week. Nobody? Last week we concluded on our series on what is Jesus doing right now. So my question to you is, what is Jesus doing right now? What is he doing? Jesus being our high priest, our uh, intercessor, and uh, the third one, um, what is it? I'm having blocked at the moment. 
um, Can't remember the third one. All right. So, but I know is those are the, the two that stick in my head. All right. So who can help with the third? Our Lord. Our Lord. Okay. So how many did we dif- dif- discuss in total then? What is Jesus presently doing? So how many did we talk about in total throughout the series? We talked about a lot of things. Uh, the significance of him being our high priest, uh, the significance of him being our intercessor, our Lord. Um, but um, there's three main points, no? Yeah, I'm just talking about the present ministries of Jesus. How many did we touch on? Nobody? Our time is going. Let's talk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that uh, we spoke about. There were three main, three main things that we focused on because we we touched on Jesus being an advocate, being an intercessor, but I believe that they were all under um, the high priest, he being a high priest as well. Okay. Um, We touched on just we touched on just three main ministries. That's all. That's what I wanted. Yeah, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our High Priest, and Jesus is our Advocate. That's it. So the intercessory ministry that's under the role of a High Priest. I didn't tackle that separately. That's under the role of a High Priest. Yeah. So yeah, three main things. Yeah. So Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our High Priest. Jesus is our Advocate. Yeah. And, la- and last week we rounded up with that, and we looked at the advocacy of Jesus. Amen. All right. So who has any question? I think now the floor is open for questions. Now, who has any question? Maybe you have read something the Bible you may not understand. Any of the series we tackled, you know, what have you? Or you may have come across something in print, or maybe something you may have heard on audio or watched on visual. So now will be the best time to ask. Amen. Or if you don't have anything, I'll just close. Amen. My job will be very simple tonight. (laughs) Yeah.
We'll just close. I just share the grace and just go. Amen. I, I don't want us to burn an hour if we truly don't have anything. So I'll just close and go. Today is just Q&A. So. So what which scriptures do you know? Sometimes people also like to use the Passover as communion. Well, it's it might be the 
New Testament equivalent, but it's not the same. Because the 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 the, the feasts were practiced differently. One was practiced to commemorate deliverance of the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity when they had been there for 400 years. One feast too also has to do with Jesus who was about to die proclaiming that through this I have initiated the new covenant. So it's not really the same. Although they are all feasts, they are not the same. So sometimes we, we tend to marry them together but Theologically, that's not really correct. Amen. Okay, so they're they're not theologically correct, but I don't want to say replace, but um, is it the new covenant way of Passover? I said equivalent, New Testament equivalent. So, oh, you did say New Testament. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. So okay. the communion is the New Testament equivalent, but it's not the same. Okay. So something can be an equivalent, but it doesn't mean it's come to replace it. You understand? Because during Apostle Paul's time, they were still taking Passover. Passover was still being observed. Do you, do you understand? So... The Jewish festivals were still in place. But we can't use them as substitutes. Because they have okay, different maybe, names. Maybe, maybe I don't understand what you mean by use them as substitutes. Maybe I, I'm not understanding that. They are different. That's what I'm saying. They are different, have different emphasis, have different meanings. If, if people normally say they shouldn't give children communion, maybe they are approaching it from a place of they should do it with understanding. So for me, it's not about not giving a child communion. I will not make that a hard fast rule. If the child understands the significance of it, why not? So I will not make a hard fast rule on that. Like when you read First Corinthians chapter 11, Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For he who drinks, eats and drinks on a worthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not designing the Lord's body. So how do you partake the communion in an unworthy manner when you don't understand the significance of it? And you can't design the Lord's body, which is the bread you hold. You see, so some so maybe that might be the point why some may say, don't give a child communion. Because if you give the child communion, the child might partake it in an unworthy manner. Unworthy doesn't mean unworthy as in sinful or unholy. Unworthy simply means you are eating it devoid of understanding. So maybe that might be the reason. It might be on the side of caution. Howbeit, if a child really has the understanding of communion, I don't see the reason not. Amen. So... I think that would be my two cents on that. So then, um, does, does standing communion holds the risk for, for the kids as long as they don't understand it? Because the, the scripture that we just read says that um, and some people have, because of that, some people have fallen asleep, um, which is referring to they die. So does that mean that um, when a child takes communion, that's a very good question. From the scripture we've just read, I can say yes. A child should eat communion, understanding what the child is involving himself in. Shouldn't see it as just food. But the child should be able to discern the Lord's body. So I'll say yes. Giving people, or, or uh, how do you avoid giving people like what I'll call false hope 
just to get them to say amen, 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 and nothing is happening? And how do you also balance it to the point where you encourage people like that who feel like I've said amen so many times, but I've not seen anything happening. So I don't even think anything will happen. But I'm at the point where I know Jesus Christ is Lord, so I can't go. I don't have any option, but I don't believe these things will happen to me. How do you balance the two? Okay. So I understand the first part of the question. As a minister, how do you balance that without giving false hope? So what's the second part of the question? The second part of the question is, how do you encourage people who are at the point where okay. they feel like, oh, I've said amen, 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 for so long, nothing has happened. So even though I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, I have no option. But these things that you are saying, I don't even believe that it happened in my life. Amen. That's a good question. Well, the, the first part to the question is, stay in the word, be led by the Spirit. That's the best thing I'll say. You know, sometimes when you are preaching, there are many factors that can move you to say things. Um, being sympathetic to the plight of your parishioners can move you to say things. So, be moved by the Spirit, one. And number two, stay in the Word. The reason why you have to stay in the Word is that when you anchor yourself on the Word of God, you, you, it's not like you will not be emotional. Emo, emotionalism is also part. But you will come to a place whereby your, your feelings and what you say is governed by what is written in the Word. At the same time, too, you also have to be led by the Spirit. Uh, because sometimes the Spirit... Alright, so sometimes the Spirit will also want you to speak as He's directing you to speak. And you, you also have to be able to flow flow like that. So being led by the Spirit is very important. So I, I would say be led by the Spirit and stay in the Word. And people too who have come to the place of hopelessness, we have to just keep encouraging them and preach hope. Because it, it, where there is no hope, you can't have faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hopeful. Alright, so if hope is not there, there is no place where faith can move. So they will first and foremost need to be encouraged. People who are like that, they've come to a place of hopelessness. And thank God that the word itself is hope. So we would just need to be encouraging them, preach hope to them, love them, and also have special times with them. Because people like that, sometimes it's very difficult to just minister to them in a crowd. They don't get it. Sometimes you have to be able to sit down, have one-on-one -on -one meetings with them to know how they are feeling. And then uh, as pastors, we also have to uh, make a habit of praying for the people, sometimes one-on-one. -on -one. It might not always be, okay, let me just pray a word of blessing upon the church or even do it in front of the church. But every now and then we have to schedule just times between people like that who are weak in the faith and just comfort them and pray for them. That, that really serves a lot as comfort and 
it might spruce them up and it might get them back on track and once hope comes alive faith can now thrive you know faith can't thrive in an atmosphere of hopelessness faith can thrive in an atmosphere of hope so people who are like that it means their hope is gone you need to spend time with them encourage them there's a scripture in the bible that says that comforts the feeble-minded that's one of the scriptures so we, we have to learn how to do that amen like sometimes like i said ministering to them on a crowd level would never help them they have to feel the comforts perhaps one-on-one with the pastor so when we when we identify people like that sometimes it's very difficult to identify people like that but when we do we just have to take time and then minister to them separately so that they will be able to prop their faith up and, and, and come to a place where they can receive. Amen. Sure. Oh, I, I can't hear you. practice that at just make time that's the first thing uh, so for some people that might be strange so you have to take them through um, bite-sized portions so after you've read your bible give yourself five minutes just wait be quiet and when you are quiet don't just don't just be in space be thinking what does the word say to me? What is God telling me? What action plan can I take? And whatever that you hear in your spirit, you believe that you are hearing your spirit, whatever inspiration, just write it down. Because one, one thing I've come to realize in this walk with God is that um, God honors people who make time for him. He will definitely speak. Uh, sometimes he might not even speak in the immediacy. He might speak maybe later, two days later, or whatever. But whatever be the case, you will still hear his voice. And there are also some things that you will need to know to filter out whether you are hearing from God. Uh, one, does it require faith? When, when God speaks to you, it requires faith. It doesn't, it's, it's not about reasoning 
rationalization and logic per se. It requires faith. If it requires faith, I tell you, you are hearing from God. One thing that you have to ask yourself is, this voice or this sensation or this experience, does it affect the peace in my heart? Because the Bible also says that we should continually allow peace to reign as an empire in our life. Let the peace of God reign continually in our heart. So any voice that you hear that disturbs your peace as a believer might not be from God. Because the Bible says that we should allow peace to be an empire. So that's one, one, one sure way by which you will know. And then thirdly, doesn't line up with the written word of God. You see, no matter how sensational the dream, the vision, or even the experience may be, sometimes people like say that I had an epiphany, God appeared to me, all that stuff, it can't be true. But at the end of the day, find out, is it in line with the written word of God? If you don't have, if, if it just use these safeguards, that will determine whether you've heard the voice of God or not. It, it will help you to filter out a lot of voices and then you will know that, okay, God has indeed spoken to me. But when it comes to the art of waiting upon the Lord, you just have to make time. You know, some people are able to stay in the presence of the Lord for hours. You might not have that capacity, but just start small, maybe five minutes. Maybe after you've read your Bible, after you've prayed, set a timer, five minutes. And don't force yourself to hear things. Don't force yourself. Because sometimes people like to force themselves. They put a lot of pressure. Oh, I heard and, and God is telling me. And meanwhile, God is not telling you anything. Don't, don't force it. Just let it be organic and let it grow. Let it flow. And then out of that, the more you practice, the more you come to a space where you will be comfortable enough to now enjoy and, and experience communion with God. And when you're a believer, when it comes to God speaking, God will speak to you inwardly, okay? Because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. So he, he might put things on your heart. You will perceive by your heart, okay? You will perceive inwardly. It's very rarely that God will speak to a believer audibly. And most times if God should speak to a believer audibly, it's because perhaps you are deaf because you have the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you where all the communication and everything will take place there. Amen. So uh, it's just time. Just make the time to wait. Take it bit by bit. And as time goes on and, and when you begin to grow in that practice and in that habit, you, you begin to expand the relationship and, and the periods and all that stuff. And, and it will be great. So just that small. Amen. So if I was to advise someone who will want to wait on God, this would be my advice to the person. And then just watch out. The fact that you have heard a voice doesn't mean God has spoken to you. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. What does this say? No, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'm sorry. 14, verse 10. It says, there are many kinds of voices, but none of them is without signification. 
sometimes I've seen people who have gone for retreats and they have come back deceived because like I heard a voice, you hear, you know, I've heard a voice, but filter with safeguards is in line with the written word of God. Does it affect my peace? All that stuff. You have to check, check, filter it down, filter it down. If I you just come to one, doesn't line up with the written word of God. Whatever voice, whatever experience, if you check the word of God from Genesis to Revelation and it's not there, I tell you that's not God that has spoken. But sometimes the deception is that you find many people who even tend to value experiences, supernatural occurrences above the written word of God. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20, the Bible says that to the law and to the testimonies. If there is anybody who does not speak according to this word, there is no light in them. Isaiah 8 20. So no matter how anointed you might claim to be, if all that you are saying is not in line with the canon of God's word, that is a big problem. Check. Does it require faith? Any voice that you hear that you can logically think it out and calculate it easily, I'm here by submitting to you. That was not God that spoke. Because when God speaks to you, the just shall live by faith, not by rationalization and logic and everything. In my own personal experience, one of the ways I know God has spoken to me is when I can't think about it, but I have to rely on faith. Because naturally speaking, I'm very logical. So I like to think things through. I like to break things down. I like to do things with a science. That, that's just how I, I, I reason and, and think things out. But any time I, 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 I have heard a voice, and I've come to the point that, you know what, I just have to rely on faith. I know that's God that has spoken. Because it's going to require faith to obey God. And then my peace. As a believer, you have to really follow your peace, you know. I take that scripture very serious. Let the peace of God ruin your heart continually as an empire. I, I really obey that scripture. No matter what I'm doing in this world, if I don't have peace, look, I'm, I'm like a dead train. You can never push me. If I, if I don't experience peace, no way. I'm not doing it. It's as simple as that. If I'm traveling, I do experience peace. I've canceled the trip. <laughs> if I apply for something, I do experience peace. I'm not doing it. Anything that I'm doing, if I don't sense peace, it's over. My wife's my witness. So that's very important. Very important. Amen. So learn how to follow your peace. Amen. And... Uh, like I said, do that and then filter all the voices and then you will come to a place and you say, the offer truth, God has spoken to me. Amen. So hearing God's voice is not rash. No, don't be too excited. Yeah, take your time. Analyze, thoroughly scrutinize it, test the spirits and know the offer truth, God has spoken. But start Honor God with your time and God will honor you with his presence, his direction and his voice. Amen. Pastor, I already answered your question.
one? Yes. All right, who has any question? So if you don't have any question, this year, what have you learned at coming to Midweek Bible Study? I know, I know we've learned a lot over the past 51 weeks or so, but what, what has been your take home? If you look at everything that we've learned throughout the whole year, what ministered to you? What, what, have, you what have you taken home personally? I think I would like to hear from the floor. Oh, um, please, your voice is very low. Realize that they were. Uh, we learned 
it's not exactly that God has elected some people that those people are going to be staying. Then it's open to everyone, and everyone can be part of the elect. Part of the people who are going to be saved. And uh, we learned, uh, one thing that I learned again is about Israel, explaining Israel, that not everyone who identifies as identifies as Israel is actually part coming from the son of promise because there were other people who identify as Israel but not necessarily coming from Isaac's team. So those very two very interesting things that I need to study this this tool is very interesting. And then of course the present ministry of Jesus Christ as well. the priesthood the person of the priesthood, the Jesus Christ was actually a high priest. Even uh, the pattern that we have in the Old Testament was totally a pattern that already existed. That um, in the Old Testament, we just part So that was also an interesting one to me. Yeah, the three points that he shared with us, Jesus Christ being Lord, um, you know, high priest. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? I like to. I would like to hear from the rest of you.
I want one last contribution, then we'll close. Uh, nobody. We thank God for tonight. I just want us to thank God <clears throat> for um, this year, everything that he has taught us. Uh, we pray that may be written on the tables of our hearts because that is the seat of our conviction and the place of action. And when it's written on our hearts, it's there that we'll be able to take godly-centered steps that will show off the truth we are Christians. So we just first falls on to thank God that he has blessed us with insight, given us the word, has spoken to us throughout all. Uh, if you ask me what I've learned, I'll tell you I've learned a lot about stewardship. I was blessed with the financial stewardship series. Really, I've, I've listened. I think of all the messages I've listened to this year, probably it must have been one of those ones I've listened more, more, more. So that was good. Bless God. That was good. <clears throat> I enjoyed the Q&A on faith. That's so very powerful. If Pastor Frank, Pastor Frank did a great job and tackled faith very, very skillfully. That's powerful. I pray that everything that we've heard <clears throat> may that be written on the tables of our hearts so that we will apply them. And when we apply them, that's how we'll grow and we'll mature as Christians. So let's thank God. Father, we thank you for tonight to give you praise. Thank you for ministering to us weekly on every Wednesday. I want to thank you and give you praise, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that our questions that came before you, even if they were not answered, oh, Lord, we pray that Holy Spirit be the teacher, be the guide, be the influence, be the inspiration behind that. We want to give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. I want to thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for everything that you've done, Lord. We've come to a place where 
the combination of your grace and mercy throughout our midweek Bible studies has been seen, has been felt, and has been experienced. With that, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Receive all your glory, O Lord. Find us faithful, Lord, to pour more onto us in 2022. We give you praise now and forever. In Jesus' name. Father, we want to thank you. Our hearts are filled with gratitude, even on this 29th December. We thank you that your grace has seen us through a lot, O Lord. For this reason, we want to say thank you. And we look forward to what you have in store for us in these next two days. Thank you, O Lord. We love you. We know that the same God who took us through 2021 who usher us victoriously into the coming year. Give you praise now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you all very much. We're done for tonight. God willing, we'll have our New, year, New Year's Eve service. I look forward to seeing all of you. We are starting at 11 p.m. We finish at midnight. Amen. So... I look forward to seeing all of you on Friday, which is the New Year's Eve. So let's all gather and let's be prompt and we'll have a good time. Amen. So enjoy the rest of your week and God willing, we'll catch up on Friday. God bless you guys. Love you. Thanks for your questions and your contributions. Appreciate it. Good night. And thank you all too for being faithful, resolute, standing with us throughout all the year i truly appreciate it okay i just want you to know that so uh, god notices heaven will reward your labor of love thank you all so from a grateful heart thank you good night